I had a really good week this week. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I was in uh, Oregon at a, a pastor's prayer summit. And so there were about 35 pastors arranged in a circle, uh, praying, just calling out to God, worshiping, reading scripture, praying from the scripture. It was really good to just see this this unity that, that existed among these guys that I, I had never met before. You know, when, when you go to something like that, it's uh, like going to a big family reunion, reunion and realizing, oh, I've got more relatives, you know, more, more brothers who, I, who I've never met before. It was really a huge blessing. When... Um, Several years ago, when I, when I completed the steps leading to and uh, received my my ordination in our, our church in East Texas, uh, Chris and I began looking at, at churches that we might want, where we might want to serve. And the first one we traveled to as a candidate was this uh, this smallish church in uh, northern Maine. And our our schedule our scheduled trip in February was canceled because there was this uh, this massive storm they call them nor'easters uh just it 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 canceled all the flights in in the northeast and uh we had to wait till uh april march april i think it was april there was still snow on the ground in the woods in april in northern maine but um it's really a pretty place you know we we looked forward to checking it out it was it was uh very woodsy you could see mount uh which is the uh, the northern terminus of the Appalachian Trail from from this uh, town in Maine. Anyway, the uh, the church's building was on uh, land that had been donated by one of the early members back in the 1980s, and the uh, men in the church uh, built this building, and uh, they're quite proud of it. Uh, they, they'd worked hard, and it was nice. Uh, we met with uh, the church had one elder and one deacon. And as as we started talking with these guys, uh, just something didn't seem quite right. You know, I was, I was interested in hearing about the church history. Uh, you know, what had been happening for the last forty years that this church had been in existence. And you know, the more we talked, the more red flags popped up. You know, it seems like they they kind of hated every pastor they'd ever had. Uh, uh, they they were just very cantankerous people and. You know, not the kind of unity that I that I saw this this last week in in Oregon. We didn't go to that church. We chose not to. And and a few weeks ago, I was I was curious about what whatever happened to this church because I hadn't really paid attention. And and it seems that that church has died. It folded. Um, it shut down. From what I can tell, the uh, the building, this building that they were so proud of, is. Uh, was sold to some Chinese company that does something. They, they weren't really sure. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, having a nice building doesn't equate to having a, a healthy church. That's that's my point. You know, once once the building is built, the emphasis really, in fact, even during the time the building's built, the emphasis needs to be on the people. That's that's what the church is. When Jesus said, "I will build the church," he was talking about building people, not building buildings. And, uh, you know, the health of a church lies in its people. And that's where we are in Nehemiah. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll read beginning in chapter 6, verse 15, where there's a, there's a clear 
break. There's a change in emphasis. The, the wall is built now. The temple had been built back in the book of Ezra. The wall has been built. The gates have been put in place. Now it's time to look at, at the people. Read with me in your Bibles. Uh, let's, let's back up to Nehemiah 6.15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the health of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them, for many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son Jehonanan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berachiah, as his wife. As they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him, and Tobias sent letters to make me afraid. Chapter 7. Now when the wall had been built, and I had set up the doors, and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani, and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, Let's, or, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot, and while they're still standing guard, let them shut, the, shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some of their guard posts, and some in front of their own homes. The city was wide and large, but the people in it were few, for no houses had been rebuilt. Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And I found the book of genealogy who's, uh, of those who first came up, and I found written in it. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right there. I'm not going to reread that list. Sorry. I know you're looking forward to watching me stumble through that. Now let me let me point out that this word so is used to wrap up what had come before and, and to begin a new section. So it's a, it's a transition into a new section. So the wall is finished. It was completed in 52 days, even under the taunts and the uh, threats of those who wanted to stop the work. Underneath uh, Nehemiah's leadership and under the the good hand of God, you know this this was an extraordinary accomplishment done by God's people who were very self-sacrificing to to do the work. They made tremendous personal self uh, personal sacrifices, you know, very focused until the project was complete. And uh, up, up until this point, the the people were for the wall, and now. You know, the wall is for the people, the, the community, the, the city is, is made up of people. So now that the work of the wall, the building of the wall is done, we need to reorient our efforts towards the, uh, the community of God's people. So in 6, 15 through 19, the, the wall is up, but the work's not done yet. We need to be aware of potentially dangerous undercurrents 
You know, this, this was pretty miraculous that this wall came up in 52 days, if, if you think about it. You know, it's going to take me longer than that to clean out my garage. <laughs> anyway, the enemies heard about it. and it's, it's interesting what it says about this. It says they were afraid and, and their self-esteem was lowered. Why? You know, they went, they went from anger and jeering and, and threatening to being knocked down a few notches. It says that they realized it was God who was responsible for their, the people's success in, re, in rebuilding the walls and putting the gates up. You know, would, would those who would love to see us fail, if they were to see what God was doing in our church, realize that it, that it was of God? That's pretty amazing that the, these people, these enemies, realized this was God. You know, would uh, those who would like to see us fail, if they were to come in and, and worship with us, would they realize that God is, is in our midst? If they came on Tuesday nights and heard the, the worshipful prayer, would they realize that God is in our midst? Would they realize that God is, is with us? Well, God was with them. He was victorious here in, in Jerusalem. But in verse 17, we see that there's still work to do. There's, you know, this time with some of the people, the nobles of Judah, you know, these are the, the wealthy people, those who are powerful. You know, these are the ones that two chapters back had been, uh, you know, they, they had been challenged by Nehemiah about uh, oppressing the, the poor among them. Remember that? And here's Tobiah again. Um, this guy just doesn't give up. He's, he's relentless. You know, we can assume that he's one of the ones that Nehemiah just mentioned who was, who was struck by fear, whose self-esteem was lowered. You know, despite Tobiah's desi- desire to destroy the work, um, what's, what's strange here is that some of the people are still quite enamored by this guy, Tobiah. How could this be? It says that the nobles of Judah were exchanging letters with, with Tobiah. And uh, you know, we pointed out that earlier Sanballat, Sanballat's assistant was, was Tobiah. This was, this was his assistant. Several of the people in Judah, they said, were bound by oath to, buy, to Tobiah. And why? They were loyal to him because of family ties. It says Tobiah was, was an Ammonite. We know that from chapter 2. But there were marriage bonds between, uh, or, or with the Jews that, that spanned two generations with this Tobiah guy. Verse 18 lays it out. It says, For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and his son Jehanan, had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. So these these were all Jews. Uh, you know, this this is a reminder of the the gravity of of intermarriage. You know, this this had been a an issue that had come up before, right? In Ezra, in Ezra, at the end of Ezra, remember that. This, if you read through the say the book of Jeremiah, this is an issue that comes up. This is this is something that um, it seems the people just can't 
can't shake. We'll see it again at the end of Nehemiah. Warren Wearsby says, how could these Jews turn their backs on their own heritage, their own brothers and sisters, and their own God? The bonds of human connection were stronger than the bonds of spiritual affection. Because Tobiah was tied to the tribe of Judah through marriage, the nobles of Judah gave the loyalty to him that they should have given to God. The men of Judah forgot that they were married to Jehovah God and owed him their love and loyalty. Loyalty can cause strong bonds. It can, and it can be misdirected. Uh, you know, it can be loyal based on uh, political affiliation. It can be loyalty based on uh, geography. Loyalty to uh, non-essential issues and in, in doctrine. Loyalty uh, based on marriage and, and family ties. Loyalty based on uh, friendships or what street you live on. But Jesus said in Matthew ten thirty seven, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Um, I've been amazed how fellow Christians can take sides with a person who is clearly like Tobias, sinning and, and destructive causing division, harming the, the work of God, you know, because of loyalty. Loyalty is a strong force. And, uh, you know, for some it can, like Warren Wiersbe said there, it can, it can override loyalty to God, cause them to forget biblical principles. And, uh, you know, it takes, it takes faith in God and, and great courage to put loyalties aside and, and to do the right thing. You know, not only was... Their loyalty misdirected, but uh, what they did could stir up strife. You know, why did they do this? They, they believed him. They believed Tobiah. They, he influenced their thinking. And uh, really, they became traitors to their own people. They disobeyed God. They caused harm. Verse 19 says that, you know, they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. You know, so... Of course, they're, they're painting Tobiah in, in glowing colors, you know, painting over his malice and his, his drive to cause the work of God to fail. I heard about a conversation between two women in a church, not, not this one. Uh, one of them was upset because uh, the other woman had a very positive outlook about everybody. And, and she said, you know, you always see the good in others. Uh, I bet you would even find something good to say about the devil. And the other woman, she thought for a moment, and she said, well, you do have to admire his persistence. <laughs> and we can say the same thing for, for uh, Tobiah here. You know, at the same time, these, these people were uh, entertaining Tobias's lies. They probably passed them on to others. And all this was in an attempt to uh, intimidate Nehemiah, to shake him up, to cause fear for him. Nehemiah says, Tobias sent letters to make me afraid. Pure and simple, this is intimidation. You know, if, this, if this was happening today, it would be uh, emails, right? And, and Facebook posts, tweets. 
Yeah. Yeah, all that's meant to draw people away from uh, God and into the, the realm of the adversary. And this shouldn't surprise us. We, we, we've talked many times about how, you know, we, we expect opposition if we're doing God's work in God's way. Second uh, Timothy three twelve through 17, the Apostle Paul describes such a situation. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Well, evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's servant must stand on, on God's word, which prepares us for battle, prepares us for, for the adversity that is sure to come. And uh, you know, I, I pointed this out before, but notice how, how Nehemiah responds here. He doesn't, he doesn't write letters back to Tobiah. He doesn't write letters and uh, worry so much about this. He, he, what does he do instead? He, he refuses to repay evil for evil. You know, he, he doesn't return reviling for reviling. He knew that he had God's help. He knew that the work that had been done had been because of the good hand of God upon the people of God. You know, this, this miraculous work of, of building this wall in 52 days was accomplished because God was with them. God was with them. So rather than despairing, rather than allowing himself to be sidetracked and intimidated, Nehemiah rolled up his sleeves and took the next necessary steps to, uh, to lead the people. Uh, verses 7, 1 through 4, going forward. You know, pointing people to the uh, continuing work. So now the wall had been built. Nehemiah set up its doors. Uh, it was time, as Paul says in Ephesians six sixteen, having done all to stand firm. And Nehemiah knew that he wasn't going to be able to do all this by himself. He delegated responsibilities to others. Uh, first, he appointed gatekeepers. You know, gates aren't going to be much use if there's nobody guarding them, right? You know, gatekeeper... What does he do? He, he keeps watch at the, at the door. He provides protection to the inhabitants of the, the city. Now, who are the gatekeepers in, in the church? According to the Bible, it's, it's the elders. You know, the, the elders play an important role in, in protecting and guarding the church. Paul tells the Ephesian elders in uh, Ephesian, or excuse me, Acts 20, fierce wolves will come. He tells them to guard the flock in which the Holy Spirit made you overseers, of which the uh, Holy Spirit made you overseers. They're, they're keeping watch. Uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey your, la- your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Keeping watch. 
They're the gatekeepers in the church. Next, it says that Nehemiah appointed uh, singers and, and Levites. You know, this, this speaks to the, uh, the priority of, of worship. You know, we're getting back to the, the temple, God's house. This is where people would, would go to, to meet with God. You know, these, these are the people who serve the Lord in the temple. And these, these groups, uh, these three groups show up together uh, several times throughout Ezra and Nehemiah, gatekeepers, Levites, and singers or, or musicians. So the work on the walls, the gates is complete. We need these people to get back to the business of serving the Lord in the temple, getting back to the, the, the business of worshiping the Lord, which is why God brought them back to Jerusalem in the first place. And uh, how does this relate to us now in the, in the church age? Look at Acts 13, 1 through 3. It speaks of the, the church in Antioch. Verse 2 says, uh, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Oh, and I want to key in on this. Uh, they were worshiping the Lord. Other translations uh, render this uh, serving the Lord or, or ministering to the Lord. You know, they, they were serving the Lord in, in worship. In the same way, the, the Levites and the singers and the, mus- the musicians ministered to the Lord. They, they served the Lord in the temple. And we, we serve the Lord in the temple, don't we? The temple being... The people, us, we are the temple of God, the the house of God, of which it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You know, when we come together as as the house of God in, in worship and in prayer, you know, hearing the word, worshiping in, in song, worshiping in prayer, worshiping in, in, uh, the word, Serving each other, we're, we're ministering to God, we're serving God, we're serving God right here today. So the people didn't exist for the walls, now the walls existed for the people, so they could serve the Lord in Jerusalem, in the temple, worshiping in the temple, and, and Nehemiah gives us very high priority. And knowing that he couldn't lead alone, Nehemiah appoints uh, two key people here. It says, I gave my brother Hanani, and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem, for he was more faithful and God-fearing than many. You know, he gave, he gave responsibility to uh, two men to rule over two districts in Jerusalem. Hanani was his brother who told him uh, back in chapter 1 about the problems in Jerusalem. Remember that at the very first? Hananiah had been uh, in charge of the castle or or the citadel, which is a a fortress in the temple area which guarded the uh, north wall of the city, which, by the way, was especially vulnerable to attack. So why did he pick these two? It tells us two reasons. Picked them for two reasons. One, they were faithful. They had they proved to be reliable. Nehemiah knew he could he could he could count on on these guys. You know, Luke six ten, Jesus says, 
One who's faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is dishonest in much. So, you know, this is a good principle for us as a church when we when we choose leaders, choose leaders who have uh, proved themselves to, to be faithful. Number two, they feared God. This should go without saying, I think, but uh, you know, I've, I've witnessed I've witnessed churches, many churches, selecting men as elders, uh, not based on their commitment to God, not based on their faithfulness, but for some other reason, perhaps they're uh, they're good businessmen, or they're they're po- very popular. You know, these. These two things, they're, they're very important to look for in leaders. You know, look at, look at their track record. How, how have they served the church faithfully? And look at their spiritual condition. You know, have, have they served with uh, just all-out love for the, the Lord and, and for the people? Have they served with humility and, and grace? Uh, do they give God the glory in all things, you know, are, are they good spiritual examples? Do they exhibit, exhibit a, a Christ-like uh, behavior? This is why Paul gives us in, in a couple places in the New Testament a list of characteristics to look for in, in uh, elders and, and deacons. You know, all, all, the, all these character traits in those really boil down to these two things. Are they faithful? And do they fear God? In verse 3, Nehemiah says, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be open till the sun's hot. While they're still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at the guard posts, some in front of their own houses. The city was wide large, but the people within it were few. No houses had been rebuilt. So, you know, just, again, reiterating that it's important to, uh, to post a guard, set a guard. You know, we, we have an enemy. We have an enemy whose job is to kill, steal, and destroy, right? Well, city's nothing without its people. You know, le- leaders are nothing without people without the people. You know, the, the people count. The people count. So Nehemiah is building the community. The rest of chapter 7 lists a whole bunch of names, again, of people who return to exile, um, very similar to the list in Ezra chapter 2. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe the people count is less important than the fact that the people count. There are ten groups uh, of uh, there are ten different groups that are listed here. These people who matter so much. Nehemiah begins with the leaders who returned with Zerubbabel. Uh, there, there's twelve names mentioned. I don't know if there's any significance to that. Maybe they represent the. Uh, uh, Twelve tribes of Israel. I, I don't really see any support for that, but some commentators think so. I don't. Apparently, it doesn't matter too much. But what does matter 
is, is what comes next. Families. Families matter to God. You know, several families are listed. Of course, the families, the, the basic building block of, of the community. You know, the Bible gives great emphasis on the, uh, the unity of, of marriage, the marriage bond, and of uh, raising children, the family. Uh, it's, it's also the, the basic building block of, of the local church. You know, the family is the, the primary place of instruction for children about the Lord and, and his word. You know, strong families constitute a, a strong church. Healthy families constitute a, a healthy church. Uh, Nehemiah lists the priests and the uh, Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, the temple servants, all, all of these very, very important in the uh, the operations of the temple, the operations being the the serving of the Lord, worship. Um, you know, in in the church, we each have our own place. You know, Paul talks about how each of us is is gifted sovereignly by by the Holy Spirit. Each person, each member, has a function, a, a very important place in the church. And we're God's building program. Ephesians two nineteen through twenty two says this: You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I love that. I love that. And finally, uh, and this, this, is inter- this is kind of interesting, kind of almost like an aside here. Nehemiah mentioned that, mentions that there are some who cannot trace their, their lineage, their heritage. Several people, in, including some priests who they they just don't ha- they don't know their genealogies uh, what does this say about them you know this this is a big deal among the jews it's it's hard for me to imagine that there were were so many of them who could not trace their their genealogies maybe at some point they or or their ancestors just said well who cares it doesn't matter um, we don't know their stories but um you know, it all boiled down to these people are not able to uh, serve in the temple. Thankfully, this isn't a big issue now because I know very little about my my heritage. Uh, yeah, I asked my dad about his side of the family. He goes, "Well, uh, they were Germans. They 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 were hard workers and they drank a lot." <laughs> Anyway, I'm, you know, the important thing for us is to know who our Heavenly Father is, to know that we're in the family of God. So, as, you know, as we bring this to, the, uh, to a close, we know that people count. People count. That's why we have all these lists. That's why Nehemiah and Ezra mention all these people by name and what they did. You know, they're... What's important is the book our names are written on.
our our work finds meaning and importance uh, when when it's God's work. Psalm one twenty seven one says it well. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You know these ordinary people did something very extraordinary here. You know, they came to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the city. And uh, it's pretty cool, really. This, is, this just fits right in with, with God's redemptive plan for a lost world. You know, the story of the Bible is a story of people in relationship with God who broke that relationship through turning away from God, through sinning, rebelling, but from the beginning, God's plan was to send a savior. And this, this city, Jerusalem, would one day be the, uh, the city that the savior would, would walk in. The city where he would be sentenced to death. You know, outside of these city walls on a, on a hill called Golgotha, the place of a skull, Jesus would, would die on a cross. For us, bearing our sins... You know, it was outside this, this, these city walls that uh, Jesus was buried and was raised from the dead. He rose again. Well, those who believed in him are his. They've been born again, born of the Spirit, sons and daughters of God, children of the King. Uh, he knows their names. He knows our names, and we know him. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we praise you for your care for us. We, we praise you that you, you do know our name. You know everything there is about us. You know us better than we know ourselves. We, we thank you, Lord, for... Your mercy, you Lord, are a, a very merciful God, and and even even when we drift, even when we make mistakes, you you always call us back to fellowship with you. So Lord, uh, take us, use us for your will, Lord, for your work, uh, Lord, strengthen your people, that that we might glorify your name, and it's in. The name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, we pray. Amen.